Hello, my name is Deacon Brian. Welcome to the Shepherd of the Hills Sermons Podcast. Every week we share our Sunday morning sermons with you to keep these important conversations going. We hope you not only enjoy hearing our words of God's love for you, but will also feel compelled to share these words with everyone who needs to hear this message. As always, we encourage you to keep the conversation going at home, at work, and everywhere you go. This week, Pastor Scott interviewed Ryan Berg from Avenues for Youth, who talked about youth homelessness. So sit back, relax, and let us dive into this week's sermon. Our lesson today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in the front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sons are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. The word of our Lord. As Ryan is making his way up this morning, um, that one's for you. Thanks. Uh, I've been thinking about, um, I get to go to school, uh, and I just got back, so that means I've been thinking way too much, so look out. Uh, But I've been thinking about what a sermon actually is, and um, it might be sort of odd to pause sort of in the middle of... um, the church year and uh, reserve some time to think about homelessness, but I wonder if we might think about sermons sort of in this way, that it's sort of an exercise in thinking about Jesus' cross and resurrection, and that I mean that part of thinking about the cross is thinking and looking at very directly some of those issues and places in our lives where we see darkness, uh, or where we see God's presence not happening, or the kingdom of God not breaking in, and I think homeless certainly could be named as one of those. Uh, And then the resurrection side, looking at places where God's kingdom is breaking in in all kinds of places. And sometimes those places are church places and sometimes they're not. Uh, And as uh, followers of Jesus, I think it's important that we look at both of those kinds of places. Sometimes when things are coming through us and sometimes when they're coming through unexpected places. uh, Because I think that often happens. Jesus notices that God's kingdom is breaking in in unexpected places. So that's my preamble for what we are up to today. So would you just first of all give a round of warm uh, applause and welcome to Ryan who is here with us this morning for Avenues for Youth. And a little background about Avenue, uh, Avenues, they have been around for 25 years and their primary work is supporting youth ages 16 to 24 in Hennepin County, uh, whether a young person needs someplace to stay for just one night 
or even just uh, or even a year and a half. Uh, Avenues empowers youth to find their path out of homelessness, and they do that by providing a stable home, building trusting relationships, and navigating youth's education, career, health, and wellness and housing goals. So, Ryan, thanks for being here with us this morning and taking time to join us. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and maybe just a, as a way of sort of entering into the work that you do with Avenues. Sure. Is this thing on? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> yeah, so um, my name is Ryan, and I'm the program manager of the Connect Host Home Program of Avenues for Youth. Um, we, as you said, work with young people 16 to 24 who are experiencing homelessness. Uh, we work throughout the metro area, um, so it's not just Hennepin County, but it's all throughout uh, the metro area. And we're really partnering with young people to walk alongside them on their journey and helping them uh, meet their, their goals and dreams. I came into this work uh, in New York City in about 2005. Um, I, was, I was in New York to be a theater person, to be an actor. That didn't pan out so well. And I had to start uh, thinking about other options. And um, I was really kind of called to do something that um, was not just for myself, um, but for the community, and I found a job working with LGBTQ youth that were living in foster care. Uh, LGBTQ youth are overrepresented within um, the homeless youth world and also in the foster care world. Um, there's a lot of discrimination and violence and um, uh, harassment that they experience, uh, and so I started doing the work there and um, recognized that there wasn't a lot of support uh, for them and that the support that was available oftentimes uh, excluded them or didn't acknowledge the specific challenges that they were facing. Um, so I, I left that work in New York and I chose, I chose to write a book about my experiences and about the experiences of the young people that I worked with, um, primarily because I, I believe that you know, we can hear statistics and I think statistics can become numbing. I think personal story and personal narrative can be transformative. Uh, it, it can allow for education and empathy, and hopefully evoke change. So I wrote a book called No House to Call My Home, which came out a couple years ago, uh, and uh, really to, to share with community to kind of elevate the conversation around what's happening with these young folks in order to evoke change in their lives. I came to the Twin Cities in 2013 and started working for Avenues for Youth, uh, and Host Home really was a calling to me, primarily because it's a community-based response to youth homelessness. It's really asking the community to step up and say, we need to do something about this. We have 6,000 young people in the state of Minnesota who are experiencing homelessness on any given night. We have 1,000 beds for those 6,000 young folks. There's a huge gap, and it requires not just systems, but community to step up and do something about that. Hmm. Can you talk about what does that look like? So what's the, the form or the shape that Avenues uh, puts into place for the, to help sort of alleviate that sure. disparity? So we have two shelter programs, one in uh, North Minneapolis and one in Brooklyn Park. Uh, so these are, these are shelter transitional living programs where young people can come in, uh, they can stay for uh, 24 months or up to their uh, 21st birthday, whatever comes first. Uh, they receive wraparound services and support, so we have a really holistic approach to the, how we work with young folks. We don't prescribe a lot, it's really about youth-driven advocacy. So what are the youth's goals and how can we help them achieve those goals? In addition to the shelter programs, we have avenues for young families. About 35% of youth who experience homelessness are parents themselves. If they access youth-specific services, they can't live with their children. So we created a program where young people can come in, get an apartment, get parenting skills, life support, live with their child, 
uh, and we help them again move, move into the next phase of stability. And then we have Host Home, which is the program that I run. Uh, and that's really, like I said, a community-based response where folks in the community open up their homes, provide food and shelter. We provide wraparound services and support. So there's support for both the young person and for the hosts uh, in helping that young person meet their personal goal. Hmm. And how many, how many homes right now do you currently have where people have opened that up for, yeah. for you? We're small by design. Uh, we work with 10 young people at a time because we want to be able to meet the needs of the youth and the hosts in the moment. Um, we are always looking for new hosts. Right now we have currently matched seven young people um, with hosts. Uh, we have a couple young people that are currently looking for hosts, but we don't have those hosts available. Uh, we have about 20 hosts, but about half of them are on hold at any given time. So after a host has a young person in their home, we give them some time off uh, to kind of recharge, live their lives, and then we ask again a bit later. Um, so we have, we have about 10 folks that are currently able to host and 10 that are on hold. Hmm. But we're always looking for more folks. And did I hear you right? I just had to make, just check in, that a third of the youth that are homeless also have children of their own. Correct. Yes. And the reason that they can't access the shelter system is because if you have a child, you cannot be in that shelter system. Is that right? You can't be in a youth-specific shelter system. I see, system. in a youth-specific Right. System. So there are shelters that are available for families. Uh, they're oftentimes full and hard to get into. Youth-specific programs are important because they are identifying and relating to the development of a young person, right? So what's developmentally appropriate uh, for a young person may not be available, those resources and supports may not be available in the adult system. Mm. Yeah. Can you either sort of paint a picture of maybe what one or two of the youth that, have, that are currently in the program or have been in the past, sort of what their situation looks like, how mm. that came to be, or some story around, sure. narrative around that? Yeah. So. Um, we have a young, systems involved young people are very, very common. So I would say about 40% of young people who experience homelessness have come through foster care of one kind or another. So being systems involved oftentimes is a, a indicator of experiencing homelessness. A young person that I'm working with right now um, who has came into foster care fairly young, uh, was adopted, there was abuse within that relationship, uh, and then had, had to go back into foster care. Uh, and then exited foster care into homelessness, didn't have a place to go, was not prepared um, with the supports that we all need, right? The, the security that we all need to move forward. Uh, and then came into our program uh, about three years ago and really needed a place to heal, needed a place to um, let the dust settle. So many young people that we work with are relying on survival skills to get by. Um, so we want to create and foster an environment where young people uh, can thrive and not just survive. Uh, and so they came into Host Home. Um, they identified you know, what their needs were. They wanted to finish high school. Um, they wanted to get a job. They were looking for longer-term um, support. What typically happens, when, you know when you go on vacation and um, let's say you're working a ton right before vacation and then you go on vacation and you get sick? Something similar happens with young people who are experiencing homelessness. They're surviving, they're surviving, they're surviving. They find a safe and secure place to, to land, and the trauma starts to kind of surface, right? So there, there's a moment where hosts will identify, well, you know, they said their goal was to go to school, but they're not really coming out of their room. And it's, and it's not laziness. It's, I need, a, I need a time and a place to recharge. 
I need a place to fill back up again, and this is what this environment is allowing for me in that moment. So this young person that I'm talking about um, had that experience where she just needed space, time, and then over time to, to learn to trust adults again because adults had failed her time and time again, right? So that trust piece uh, was a huge uh, component and a challenge for those hosts uh, because we want to we connect, we want to build relationship, but it has to be on the, the time frame of the young person. They need to learn how to build up that trust again. We can be caring and consistent and, and keep showing up for that young person and allowing space for, for trust to grow and build uh, when they're ready. Mm. Yeah. So how about, how about on the other side? What does it look like for somebody who is willing to open their home? Yeah. That, I mean, that's a big ask. Yep. Uh, I'm coming over later this afternoon to check out your houses to see if anybody <laughs> has any rooms available. So, um, so what, what does that look like? What is somebody who has decided to... I mean, that's a big risk. Yeah, it's a big... It, it's a leap of faith. Mm -hmm. I think it's a leap of faith on both sides. Uh, it's incredibly scary for young people to go into a stranger's home, recognizing the power dynamic there. Like, if something goes wrong, I'm the one who has to leave. You get, you get to keep your home. Mm. Um, and for hosts, too, it's scary because there's a lot of unknowns. There's a, there, there feels like there's a lot of risk. Um, and it is a leap of faith, but there's a lot of support with, this, with the program. Uh, we, we do... Um, youth has to be uh, meeting with a case manager for a month prior to being referred into the program. So if there are issues that are coming up, if there are mental health support that needs to be in place, if there's a substance use issue that needs to be addressed, those things are coming up prior to coming into to host home. So we have a network of support. So there would be a therapist. Uh, there would be a program um, to help them assist. Typically, the folks who want to help uh, are folks that are recognizing that, you know, I have some resources um, available. There are some folks who are in need of some resources. We can, make this, we can make this work. It's going to disrupt your daily patterns in life. It's what? It, <laughs> it's going to change <laughs> things up a bit. Um, we ask folks to just recognize, like, when things are coming up for them to, to help process them. So that part of my job is to help that host recognize that this is a really challenging moment. I told the young person I wanted the kitchen clean after they used it. it they said they did. It was clean to them. It's a different definition of clean to me. <laughs> How do I make sense of that, right? And so we, we really work hard with helping hosts narrate their emotion uh, so resentments don't build and then mm -hmm. blow up, right? Um, and also to recognize where our values may align and, may they, and where they may be challenged and recognize how that can be okay within our own home, hmm. uh, which is a huge challenge for a lot of folks hmm. as well. Yeah. And how many of those, I think, did you say you have seven right now? You're usually working with 10. Mm -hmm. uh, what's sort of the average stay and how would you describe most of the outcomes? What, what's the mm -hmm. outcome for both the youth and the host home? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so we have two versions of this program. Uh, one is short-term, it's considered emergency-based, so we have some young folks that are just needing a place to stay for maybe anywhere from a day to three months. Hmm. Uh, and then we have the longer-term program, which is considered tr uh, transitional living, uh, and that's really helping young folks kind of set in and then work on those goals. So they maybe have some long-term goals that they want to work on, Maybe it's graduating high school. Maybe it's getting through that first year of college. Maybe it's really, you know, not just obtaining a job, but securing and keeping a job. Um, and maybe it's working on mental health and, and processing the trauma they've experienced uh, up until this point. Uh, so we, youth can come into either program. Uh, so we ask hosts and youth to kind of determine which, which part they want to be a part of and then match accordingly. Um, we also recognize because 40% of youth who experience homelessness have come through foster care, 
that it's a particularly broken system for young folks. And so we try to flip the script a little bit. Uh, in foster care, youth have no say in where they get to stay, and the hosts are paid to care for them. With Host Home, we flip that so youth get to read the applications of hosts. Hosts don't read the applications of youth. So that gives youth some agency in the experience. I'm not just showing up with a garbage bag full of my belongings at someone's doorstep. I actually get to know a little bit about them prior to meeting them and determining if I actually want to live with them. Right? It gives a little sense of agency. And it's a volunteer program, so youth know that people aren't padding their pockets to, to care for them. Uh, as far as outcomes are concerned, because we're small by design and we're relational, we recognize that relationship is kind of the core of, of, of success with uh, uh, a program like this. Uh, we strive for 75% of youth who are in our program move into stable housing, and we're right now about 89% hmm. uh, with this last fiscal year. Uh, and then we do a year check-in. So a year after they move out, are they still stably housed? Um, we look for 75%, and we're about 75% mm. there. So oh, cool. uh, those outcomes are, are, are higher than what your traditional shelter or um, uh, transitional living program looks like. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about uh, over the last year in particular are issues around LGBTQ uh, kinds of things. And what are some of the special uh, needs that that sort of requires? Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit too? Sure. Um, so, a lot of young people have reported that coming uh, into shelter, to a youth shelter, uh, that there's been a ton of discrimination and violence uh, based off of their gender, or, gender or, uh, identity or sexual orientation. Um, even if that, that program really works hard to um, create an equitable and affirming space, um, I think there's a lot of learning that needs to take place in those spaces. We all have a lot of learning to do, um, but particularly in those spaces to create affirming environments for young folks who may be LGBTQ identified. Um, what Host Home does is uh, we work with hosts, uh, we do training up front, so there's 16 hours of training, and part of that training is around sexual orientation and, gen and gender uh, to ensure that those young people can bring their whole selves uh, and that they're not having to censor who they are to live in this particular environment. Um, you know, around 40% uh, of all youth who experience homelessness identify as LGBTQ but make up 7% of the population. Huge overrepresentation. Um, and around 60% of those young people have been kicked out of their homes because of who they are. Uh, so it's incredibly important to create an affirming and safe space, and that's one of the missions of the Host Home Program. So other than everybody here who's going to sign up to be a host home uh, after service today, what are some other ways that we can uh, participate and help, both as a congregation, collectively, but also as individuals? Right. We know that host, hosting is a huge ask, right? And it's not for everyone. Uh, but we do ask if you are passionate about the program, if you believe in the mission of the program, that you advocate for the program. Uh, so you may not be able to host personally. Maybe you know someone within your network that can. Um, I am happy to go, come and speak to any group. I'm happy to grab coffee with you and chat more about the program. Um, but we ask if you could be an advocate if you can't host, if you can get the word out there. So get in touch with me and we can figure out ways in which we can collaborate uh, on getting the word out about this particular program. Um, other ways is to, donations are huge for, for avenues as well. Um, and also on the political level, um, if, if uh, you reach out to your representative to talk about the importance of, uh, of finding and, and maintaining supports 
for youth who are experiencing homelessness and that we need to, to bring more money into that to, to provide more services. Like I said, we have 6,000 youth on any given night in the state of Minnesota experiencing homelessness with 1,000 beds. 5,000 young people are fending for themselves on any given night. Mm. Thank you really, Ryan. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us this morning. Just sort of as a little bit of theological closing, I've been thinking as we've been talking that uh, as we celebrate Christmas, one of the most important parts of the story is that when Jesus comes to town, or I should say when Mary and Joseph come to town, there is no place for them to stay. Uh, There are lots of opportunities in our story to think that when God first comes into the world, God's self is homeless. Uh, And what is our response uh, and what should be our response as a family of faith to see that sort of darkness from the very beginning of our story that ends with the celebration of hope and promise of new life. So would you give uh, Ryan a round of applause and thanks for being with us this morning. And Ryan will be uh, available after the service, so if you want to talk with him further, please do so. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks for stopping by and listening to the Shepherd of the Hills Sermons podcast. For more information about Shepherd of the Hills, please check out sothchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Feel free to share this sermon and be sure to follow us on social media and wherever you find your podcast. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thank you.